Welcome to Pilot Boys episode 142. Today we are talking in the NBA trades and free agency, which has been exciting the last couple of weeks. Kyrie and Kevin Durant, USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. Uh, another mass shooting over July 4th weekend, a couple of them. And uh, the cold hard truth about Brittany Griner. And in another episode, we will have our deep dives. So stay tuned for that. Um, buckle up your seatbelts, put your trade tables up. The Pilot Boys are about to take off. Get it. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. The free agency has been like probably one of the best things every summer for the last number of years because the NBA, I feel like, has just become one of the most unpredictable leagues that I've ever seen. Yeah, the amount of player movement, both in free agency and trades, and in terms of, like, just big player movement, right? Like, significant (laughs) changes seem to happen uh, that change the makeup of the league literally every year and oftentimes in season as well as we saw this year with the with the blockbuster Harden trade in the middle of the season as well. Um, you just see a lot of activity and action. I think this is something um, that the NBA has, has figured out how to always stay in the headlines even throughout the year, whether the season's going on. I mean, it's a long season, but even in the postseason, we had the NBA draft and now we moved into free agency. And literally the the talk of the town and then also these everything it has all the elements right we see these big ridiculous powerball lottery <laughs> contracts coming in we see the players requesting trades we see the free agency movement we see the tampering accusations you see everything <laughs> it's it's like uh it's it's action packed and it makes up for the dog days of summer where there isn't much to watch right now except for baseball and if you're a tennis fan wimbledon is going on right now but um, it kind of fills those gaps that you miss from watching sports. Yeah, absolutely. It, I think NBA drama as well is like, it's like watching a reality show, honestly. It's like the Kardashians <laughs> for, you know, for people who don't watch reality TV. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the trades I, I just wanted to call out and highlight was the uh, Rudy Gobert um, going up to uh, the Timberwolves. I thought it was a really great trade that happened last week. It was one of the first ones to go down. Um, but it also set the price really high this year in free agency. I think every year you kind of have these initial major trades where you have either you know, a really, really solid role player, somebody who holds like a very consistent amount of value but isn't a max player. And that really, you know, kind of in my view, sets the market for that position or for you know similar positions and value. And he... His trade, I think, really makes it difficult for anybody trying to trade for Kevin Durant or really anybody better than Rudy Gobert because it was an expensive trade. He, there were a lot of draft picks exchanged for him. There were a lot of players exchanged for him. He's a, he's a great player, um, but I think the price is high this year in free agency. Well, in the trade market, definitely the price is very high. I mean, you're looking at these contract numbers. It's pretty crazy, too, but... I think this Timberwolves trade, as if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, who's been through the last 20, 30 years, it's like when they had Kevin Durant, Stefan Marbury, 
they've had opportunities at different times with with meaningful players, but didn't weren't willing to push their chips to the middle and really compete to try to win a championship. And I think this Rudy Gobert trade was a situation where you can see a seismic shift um, and specifically to see a team in a market like Minnesota make as, as significant a move as this one is. Um, that's not a major TV market. Like I, they saw an opportunity. They have Anthony Edwards for a year or two left on his rookie deal. Carl Anthony Towns as a max player, D'Angelo Russell on a cheaper max deal. Um, and they said, hey, this guy, they miss rim protection. Literally, that is the reason they lost to Memphis is because they could score at will on them. They get the best defensive big in the league. Um, this is a great trade for Ruby, Rudy Gobert. It reduces the necessity for him to also be a major piece on the offensive offensive end of the court. The Timberwolves have that covered. Um, they can put the ball in the bucket. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns needs some help down there because he's not a great rim protector. It literally is the perfect piece. And what is the price you're willing to pay to get that piece that is the missing link that you need more than anything else um, while you're in a, in a time frame where you can comp- compete? They did make the second, uh, I believe, the second round of the playoffs or um, this year, or was it the first round? I don't know when they lost to Memphis. I believe it was uh, in the second round. First round, first round. They first lost, round, yeah. Yeah. And that was the most compelling series, quite frankly, in the Western Conference playoffs was the Timberwolves-Grizzlies series. And honestly, this move puts them to me right there or above the Grizzlies in terms of being the second best team in the Western Conference and also with that also being the second best overall team in terms of record in the NBA. That's where the expectations are now for this Minnesota Timberwolves team. So I get what you're saying about price, but what is the, when are you willing to put your chips in the middle and take that gamble? Future draft picks aren't worth it. You have two great stars in towns and, and, um, and Anthony Edwards, and you have a third star in D'Angelo Russell who can score. Got to make this move. You know what I mean? And pay the price that you got to pay. That's life. I think the challenge that it creates is that when you're Brooklyn trying to trade a Kevin Durant, if you're demanding a price that's relative to what Rudy Gobert was just worth in the market, it's not possible for a team to trade for Kevin Durant and have a better team at the end of the day. Like to give up stars and draft picks for one player, it takes five players to play basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's that's where a lot of this stuff gets really interesting. I I wonder if Rudy Gobert is just going to be the example of maybe one of the better trades that happens this offseason, but whether Brooklyn's just going to have to, you know, eat a little dirt here and give up KD for maybe less than he's worth to them, just given the fact that, you know, I heard that the asking price was two all-stars. And if you're going to trade two all-stars for one all-star, you're probably getting worse. Well, the reality of this situation is that if you're Brooklyn, right, this is a situation um, that, quite frankly, is a little bit unfair to them as an organization. They signed Kevin Durant. They gave him Kyrie Irving. They got the trade. And they waited out his Achilles rehab. Yeah, and they traded for 
for James Harden, which was something that he wanted. So they made the moves. And quite frankly, the accountability here with Brooklyn's failure lies on the players that they traded for. From a basketball perspective, this isn't about whether you like Kyrie Irving as a person, you like his stances. This is strictly basketball. He Creating for him as a basketball player in both Boston and in Brooklyn has not led to success. And the same can be said for James Harden, right? Great player, phenomenal player, one of the greatest scorers of all time, but couldn't get the job done in Houston or with Brooklyn or with Philadelphia. So those trades happen, and now Kevin Durant, when those things don't work out, he's basically like, I want to trade. It is unfair, but at the end of the day, he's exercising his power. He's 34 years old. He saw the writing on the wall and said, this isn't a good situation for me to finish out my career because I am chasing another championship to cement my legacy. And it's clearly not working here. And I think he he carried the burden of the Kyrie Irving situation as well. Um, and maybe the, there is truth to the rumor um, that Kyrie and him want to play together, but I don't know how much communication there was if Kyrie opted into the contract versus staying a free agent and then going and signing wherever KD went to. So they may not, I I respect the two players for not taking whatever issues they might have from a basketball perspective out to the public. But if I was KD, I'd be frustrated too, because at the end of the day, when you have a five player team, you need to rely on your teammates to be there um, for you when you're there. You know what I mean? And so it's just like a lose-lose situation for the Nets to lose. The the, the flack that KD is getting is a little bit unfair because these circumstances are not what he predicted. He didn't know that these issues with Kyrie would come up. He didn't know that James Harden wouldn't fit in culturally and he would have the drama that he had with Kyrie. And he didn't know that they would trade for Ben Simmons, who clearly has the yips and nobody really probably wants to play with either. So the other side of that Ben Simmons element that I want to highlight is that Ben Simmons being on the Nets roster actually prevents a bunch of trade destinations that Katie could go to because he's on his rookie extension, which there's a rule in the NBA that you can't have two players that are on their rookie extensions on the same team so that, you know, nobody can be essentially like tanking to a a super high degree. So because of this rule, many of the ideal fits for Kevin Durant are off the table. And I think that's, it's very, very funny to me that Ben Simmons, even without playing makes the nets worse. Yeah, it's, he's he's the disaster that keeps disastering, right? So <laughs> it's just it's just you know you feel for the guy, obviously, like he's going through it, but at the same time, it's kind of funny. Um, I mean, look, Brooklyn needs to go into a full rebuild, and maybe that rebuild happens around Ben Simmons. I doubt. I don't know if that can happen, but this is what Ben Simmons always claims he wanted, right? So he he's getting the opportunity here. But I do respect the Nets for saying, hey, look, this if this is what Rudy Gobert fetches, this is one of the greatest players to come into the league in the last 20 years. He's on the trade market. We have him locked in for four years. If you want him, you're going to have to pay a price. And if you are a contender, if you are the Miami Heat or you're the Phoenix Suns 
or you're another team that's close to contention, the Memphis Grizzlies are really the team that I think needs to be thought about here. And the other team would be the Portland Trailblazers. If you really don't want Dame to finally request that trade, you got to get him a KD caliber player. Washington Wizards with Bradley Beal. You know, these are teams that if you're really that close to contention, that's why I respect what the Timberwolves did. You've got to put the chips in the middle and go get KD because Memphis needs more than anything else a guy that can put the ball in the bucket. They would have beaten Golden State if they had a second scorer next to John Morant in those games like KD that could could shoulder the load. They're missing that. And if they really want to take that next step and beat the Golden State Warriors, everything short of John Morant should be on the table to get KD. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a really good point. And then the the other kind of destinations that have been pointed out, uh, Phoenix seems to be the priority. Miami, just not enough, you know, not enough of the right kind of assets to be able to do the trade meaningfully. I mean, look, if they trade Bam, Hero, and Lowry and get Kyrie and KD in return, that's a win. I mean, it's a huge win for Miami. I, I don't know. I don't know if Brooklyn. I mean, draft picks, you're going to have to give up draft picks yeah. too. But what does Brooklyn get? They get they get three three meaningful players to play alongside Ben Simmons. They're going to get some – and Hero is a young, blooming star. Bam is a young star. It's a it's a nice haul plus some future draft picks. Yeah. It's, it's a nice haul. It's going to be a third team. Yeah. It's a different type of culture too. So I think it could be advantageous for them. Um, the other thing that you know I want to highlight about Kyrie as well, I, I was reading a lot over the weekend about uh, the LA potential trade Westbrook for Kyrie essentially. And I, I also want to call out Kyrie just bought a house last week in LA. Um, you know, obviously players buy houses all the time and he just got, he just opted into what, $40 million. So, yeah. you know, you can understand why he might be buying a house in LA. But uh, I just found that to be interesting. You know, I, I could see him reuniting with LeBron. Look, this is why I hate the Lakers and the Lakers organization and hate everything about the culture of the <laughs> Lakers. Anytime anyone comes available, there's no real. If Anthony Davis isn't on the table, there is no KD to Lakers deal. And they're not talking about that. And there's no. Why would the Brooklyn Nets take Russell Westbrook, an aging star? versus having keeping Kyrie Irving for uh for another year. Like that trade doesn't even make sense. And the no the news is coming out that that there hasn't been any meaningful discussion, but this is LA media, LA fans, LA press, LA front office, Lakers like it's like no, you guys what assets do you have to get KD and Kyrie? I keep seeing these posters of KD and Kyrie coming to LA and I'm like even if they did put Anthony Davis in the, in the deal, what else is going to go to Brooklyn that's meaningful, right? It would have to be AD, Talon Horton Tucker, and uh, um, and and Westbrook for the salary fill, plus draft picks that they don't have. They don't have any draft capital, so there's I no heard, few, <laughs> future. I heard this uh, parody tweet that was like, it was like the AD and KD trade has uh, come to a complete halt because Rob Palenka is unwilling to part with Taylor Horton Tucker. 
because <laughs> that's how LA operates sometimes. They didn't get good. They didn't get a meaningful piece in Kyle Lowry, you know. And yeah. and the other thing is Lakers. The Lakers are kind of getting bled, even with the players that they played well. Malik Monk left. You know what yeah. I mean? So that was like the most meaningful player they had last year. Yeah, no, um, they're gonna have to. They're gonna figure out something, but you know. I'm holding out. I'm holding out hope here. I think Kyrie's going to come, you know, come over here, hang out with me a little bit. <laughs> oh man! And the, the latest rumor has uh, the old Warriors band thinking about getting back together too and going on another run for a couple think, more championships. I think, yeah, and I saw that it was. I think the potential idea was uh, Pool Kaminga and somebody else for uh, for KD. I think that's a terrible decision. No, Pool Kaminga and Wiggins, that's like the best possible asset core you could get. Um, that's I mean it's great for Brooklyn. If I'm Golden State, that that no way. If the goal is to win three win to go to win as many championships in the next few years as possible, you put that team together and you don't give up everything. <laughs> I mean, they're not losing. No, they're definitely gonna win one, but They'd win two. The, they'd win two to three if they make that deal, and then they re, they re, and and if Golden State, you know, last time they they had the KD Achilles injury, all these guys are getting older. Like it's it's tough to repeat, and that's why you make the move now. You know, yeah. And that's, I mean, I mean, if Golden State is seriously considering the deal, they have the they have the short term plan and the long term plan figured out. We we've they've done enough to know that we shouldn't doubt um, <laughs> doubt them. <laughs> You know, I mean, I think Miami, Miami and Golden State are the two organizations um, in recent times that you can really say they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'll just say if I'm Golden State, I wouldn't make the trade because if you look at what it took to win the finals this year, it took one hero game from any player on their roster, which yeah. was that one game from Steph. Everyone else just had to play pretty good. Yeah, Wiggins fought out too. I think Wiggins has more to give. If if I was if I were the Dallas Mavericks, I'd give up my first round draft pick for the next eight years <laughs> to get KD so that Put I can him get right next to Luca. It would be and, it would be a good partnership. Yeah, yeah, I would give yeah. up everything. But they yeah, don't and have KD him. he has that Texas uh, route too, so it would yeah. make sense. Um, you know, they jumping- just don't have the assets player wise to make it happen. No. It Jumping forward into um, some football, uh, broke last week that uh, USC and UCLA are uh, moving into the Big Ten. Sounds like the start date of that is 2024. And part of the reaction there, um, uh, OU and Texas were going to join the SEC. Now it's sounding like that's also moving a year up to coincide with that, um, creating essentially what used to be many conferences into just Two conferences. I think this is capitalism at work when you watch it happen. Yeah. It's, it just, you know, people conglomerate to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's interesting for football. I feel bad for Oregon, just kind of getting left out there by themselves. Um, but I think it's a great move for us, obviously, in the Big Ten, because I get to watch my Buckeyes here in, uh, in L.A. at least once every other year. And so that's a win for me. Um, but also, it's going to be nice to elevate the level of competition in the Big Ten, which I think that there's years where the, what I hear from other fan bases is, oh, the Big Ten is overrated as a conference. And bringing in a couple teams that 
you know, have a reputation from those same fans of being better than Big Ten teams, even though they're not as good, I think will give the Big Ten teams an opportunity to prove how good they are. Plus, one more thing, it'll allow us to recruit from L.A. for, you know, for Ohio State. It'll create a pathway. This is this is about, you know, spending as much time kind of understanding and learning the inner workings of the Big Ten Conference, uh, the Big Ten Network, and Ohio State. This is what this is all about. This is what the addition of Maryland um, and Rutgers was a, about. Adding the LA TV market to the Big Ten Network increases the amount of revenue that is going to come in to the Big Ten Network and it's going to increase the amount of money that's distributed to every single team in the conference by adding the two biggest schools in in the California LA market. Now, and the, the, the Rutgers Maryland move was about adding the East Coast regional networks. This is about adding the West Coast regional networks. That's it. This is not about anything else here. And I am very confident saying that. With that said, you know, the NCAA needs to stop this bullshit about we care about our amateur athletes. This is why I hope every athlete, amateur athlete, exploits the NIL situation to maximum returns because they do not care about these college kids. Imagine if you are, let's just take football. If you're any team in the Big Ten, like Ohio State, yeah, they'd have to go to out to L.A. twice a year. Think about how much travel the UCLA and USC football yeah, they're teams. Gonna get, they're going to get rocks, dude. Cross-country travel consistently. And then, you know, forget the major sport like football. Once you add in basketball where teams are playing each other twice a year, softball, all these other sports, and the amount of travel that's going to have to be done by these USC, UCLA kids, stop the bullshit. This is a, a for-profit business this is an amateur athletics and the sooner that the ncaa accepts that and understands that that easier these conversations are going to be because the reason that there's tension here and and outrage is because you can't claim that you care about amateurism and amateur athletes and how they do it in school and then put your student athletes in this type of untenable situation because it's not it's you're talking time zone switch. You're talking five hours of travel. You're talking going back and having to readjust to time, going to class, going to study hall, going to tutoring. Like, just stop the stop the bullshit. So, what do you <laughs> what do you think um, this is going to mean? The USC football team, obviously, there's you know a lot of hype around it, at least in this market. Uh, given Lincoln Riley coming over, Caleb Williams transferring, a lot of the the portal action that happened in the off season. You know, I think we feel like it's a program that it's better for college football if it's good, right? From, and- from, from a strictly football perspective, this is a, a beautiful strategic move, right? Strictly, if we're just looking at this for from the Big Ten's perspective, adding USC and UCLA is great for USC and UCLA because now they can recruit saying you're going to get to play against Ohio State every single year. And players – you know, the, the DNA of athletes is they want to go somewhere. The best athletes, they want to go where the competition is the best. And this is going to be great for USC and UCLA's recruiting because the Pac-12 is a marginal conference, has become a marginal conference. 
they're never relevant in the national landscape. No team has it, since the since the college football playoffs has started. There are teams from the Pac-12 that made it, but they don't belong there. Oregon doesn't belong there. So this is hopefully will elevate USC and UCLA. Lincoln Riley tweeted out how excited he was. This is great from a football perspective. But again, once you add in the whole idea of the NCAA and amateurism into it, you're like, this is bullshit. That's what makes it bullshit, not the football part of it yeah. at all. This is great for everyone from a football I, perspective. I just I love the fact that there's going to be Big Ten teams out here in LA consistently, you know, every other week for the next, you know, foreseeable future. Like I think there's and the Big Ten Network is going to be on all your all your cable providers. So yeah, I, which has been an issue for me being able to watch games. Yeah, and uh, you know I think t- timing wise, all the Big Ten games start at nine a.m., which is you, know, you do not want to be at a at a bar getting a beer at nine a.m. I can tell you that. So you know I think I, I yeah, love uh, what this does for the dynamic of uh, Big Ten football. Yeah, that's great from a fan perspective. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, that's that's self-interest, right? It's like we're all thinking about what's best for us. Um, but the problem with this whole scenario is there's a responsibility when you create an organization that and a middleman that says, we're here to protect our student-athletes, and they do nothing to protect their interests, then, you know, this, again, supports the idea of college, college athletes unionizing all of those things that protect uh, player interest, because imagine too the competitive disadvantage that that puts a West Coast team flying out, adjusting to time, and having to play a game at nine a.m. when they're used to playing it at noon their time. Right. That's going to be the bigger. That's going to be the bigger issue, and I think we'll see it in the performance of these teams when they, you know, their away games are going to be drastically different than their home games, and, and vice versa. Oh yeah, it's going to be a sports better's dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> moving forward, uh, over the weekend there was another mass shooting on July fourth. Um, there was also an incident where two cops were shot. I believe this was in Philly, if I'm getting it right. And uh, there's some videos out of you know people just kind of running in in pandemonium away from a fireworks show. A lot of chatter on social media about. Um, essentially PTSD symptoms from the shootings and from all these different experiences and how those are triggered by fireworks. Um, I love fireworks. So I'm just going to preface this with that on the heels of all of that. uh, While we were watching the fireworks show, we were kind of on a hill and looking at many of the shows and I saw a drone show that was running over a park and the drone show was better than the fireworks shows. And I thought that was very, very cool. So, you know, obviously sad things happening, tough time in society. Uh, It's just one of those windows. But when it comes to this kind of this thought of how do we move this holiday forward, especially when out here there's fire risk. So there was there's a lot of precautions with fireworks and all these other elements, um, plus the pollution element as well. I, don't, I think drone shows could become the wave of the future here. I think it's you know, it's a better way to communicate what you're trying to communicate. Yeah, I mean, forget the, forget the, whatever the better solution is. I feel like this was a very unique Fourth of July. Um, when you 
put it against the landscape of what's been happening over the last few weeks with the Supreme Court. There are some data and, and polls put out um, specifically in people who are um, 35 and under, you know, the number of people who actually have a strong feeling of of patriotism and that our country is the, the land of the free, home of the brave, all of those things that 4th of July makes us feel as Americans um, is becoming more and more difficult when you paint it against the picture of these things, increased gun violence, you know, sniper shootings at a 4th of July parade, like, you know, then the story out of Akron, Ohio, like the police shooting a kid, an unarmed person yep. 60 times in the face. Um, now with that and scenario, the body. yeah. And then, you know, in that scenario, they claimed that the, 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 that they felt a threat that he shot out of the window. So if that is true, that changes the narrative, but still they knew he was unarmed and they shot him 60 times in the face when he got out of the car and ran, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's, uh, that's, and then you also, there's this mistrust of whether or not there's a lot of questions about how accurate that story is with, you know, um, the recent uh, series on what happened in Baltimore with the police, the, you know, police officers planting evidence, planting guns in situations to save themselves from prosecution. You wonder in a scenario like this, what's actually happening. Then you have the story of the, the police deputy or police um, force in a suburban Chicago town where um, during police shooting drills, all of them are, um, they shoot at, 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 at black men, profile black men that look like people in the inner cities during their training. So you see all of these things and Rove Revoid, and it's just like there's so much drama in the LBC, <laughs> aka the USA, right now. And it's just like it's a, it's a very interesting time in the 4th of July holiday, which celebrates what does that celebrate? It celebrates true independence and that we're truly an independent society and you contrast that with what's going on and it's, it's fairly disappointing. Um, it's, it's, I used to love this holiday um, and I, feel, I felt a little awkward. I didn't go and celebrate, I didn't go and watch fireworks. I didn't do any of that in large part because I am scared. I'll be honest, like I value, I am scared to go into public places. I'm scared to go in places where there are a lot of people because this shit is happening, you know, and it's happening consistently. You never know when some random crazy person is going to just say, hey, I'm mad at the world, so I'm going to kill a whole bunch of innocent people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, it's a fair concern. Um, you know, I, I also feel like there's that growing sentiment that you're mentioning of, you know, whether it's, you know, anti-American, I think it's like, is a backwards way to react to a situation because, however you feel about politics and rules and laws, there's an opportunity to influence that. There's an opportunity to get active locally. There's an opportunity to, you know, create the kind of world you want to live in, right? And so I think, like, that's where, you know, when when it comes to 4th of July, like, it's my, it's been my favorite holiday since I was a kid. And I love it because it's barbecues it's summer it's you know everyone's at the beach or the pool or whatever it might be hanging out watching fireworks you know being joyful together and i think those kinds of opportunities you know are few and far between in today's society and i think that when you have so many folks scared to be proud to be american it's like 
okay, then what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to be proud of? Right. Because obviously like this, there, there's things we always don't agree with that are happening politically, but I think being Americans more about an ideology. It's about a vision that was set day one that we can still help create of an equal society with, you know, where it actually works and adapts to the needs of the people. I think there's the opportunity to build that. Now the question is who's going to take on the work and actually make the decisions. Cause you know, the last I checked, if you look at the market, if you look at the economy, if you look at most of the political decisions being made, everybody's making them for selfish reasons. Nobody's making them because, or out of fear, they're not making them because they actually want to build a better world. And so, you know, I think like, these moments are a reminder that what we're living is not the vision that was set forth. They mm -hmm. want, and we have yeah. to take on the responsibility to bring that to light. It's very important to remember what those people fought for, what our independence really was, what the revolutionary war was about, it was about freedom. It was about freedom from, <laughs> from a monarchy. Right. And, what has happened, and this is quite frankly, you know, a lot of people say, well, you should still celebrate the holiday. You should still celebrate the holiday. But when the people, when you're consistently seeing that the will of the people is not follow being followed in politics, it's not being followed economically, you see backwards momentum from, you know, kind of a, a the civil rights movement in the 60s um, and everything that kind of happened um, through that period, America stagnated in terms of rights um, and now is moving backwards. Um, people have the right to ask those questions and have meaningful conversations. Like you said, I feel like a lot of Americans, they just look at this and say it's a long weekend. And it's like, look, the truth is that there's there are things happening and it's up to you. At the end of the day, you you have the right to not care. But what I have an issue with is is how many people don't care, don't do anything, but complain all the fucking time. That's where my issue either complain all the time or just be distracted by, oh, you shouldn't you shouldn't have any concerns. You should celebrate the holiday. It's all about having fun. And and I agree with you. It, this is July 4th is one of the best holidays because it happens in the in the peak of summer. Everybody's has has off. Kids are out of school. It's I have great memories of it. You get to light fireworks, you know, it's fun. But every time you light a firework, you hear a firework now, you have to worry if it's a gunshot, you know, and that's not, that's not America, you know. And that's, you know, you have a choice. You either, either you fight to make change. You, if you want to choose to be ignorant, then, don't come back and complain when something impacts you, right? Like uh, that's 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 where we're at. There's there's a lot of blame that goes on our power structure, but there's a lot of blame that lies within our citizens too for not caring enough about what's happening and then getting mad after not caring leads to bad results or people who do care fighting and creating a situation that's beneficial for themselves. Yeah. The irony of, of the, I think, what I see as the anti-American sentiment, mostly, with all of this is, I think it's mostly the most entitled and privileged people 
that take this virtue signaling stance of I hate America because of all these, you know, this reason, that reason. Then I go yeah. to the fireworks. It's all immigrants. It's all immigrants yeah. celebrating America and the people who are here enjoying the benefits of having been here, been born in a good situation are the ones that choose not to do anything other than virtue signal what they, what they, you know, want to believe or the group that they want to associate with. And I think that's, that's as dangerous as anything in our society is just acting like you believe something, but not ever standing for it. Yeah. And this is also quite frankly, and this is a good transition point for this Brittany Griner situation, right? Like it's, it's important for us to have a very real and frank conversation about, about this because it's all, it's a reflection of this issue. You know, if you've traveled enough there, the reason that anti-American sentiment exists uh, throughout the world is because we go to other people's countries uh, and we don't respect their rules. We think and believe that our rules and our guidelines should, because we're American citizens, should apply wherever we go. And that's not the reality. That isn't, that's entitlement at its finest, you know, because, and you, again, you don't see that with immigrants who come to America. They go, they go and they respect other cultures when they go there. And this Brittany Griner situation, quite frankly, is she went to Russia. She she should be smart enough to know that she's going to Russia, which is not pro-American. And from what I hear, it's a significant, their marijuana rules, whatever we think as Americans about whether marijuana should be criminal or not, there are countries where if you get caught with a marijuana joint, the punishment is death. It is death. And we don't get to dictate that, what that law is in another country. With the Britney Griner situation, all these people saying free Britney Griner, free Britney Griner. She's at the mercy of the justice system of Russia because she decided to commit a crime by taking a significant amount of marijuana into a country that it is illegal. You know, they talk about interstate commerce. This is this is <laughs> intercontinental commerce of a banned substance and because there's this thing in the law it's international drug trafficking it's international drug trafficking and she is there's this term in the law called strict liability which is you're strictly liable for the decision that you made and all this stuff as much as you dislike russia this case is not about the politics and the fact that Americans feel like we should be able to go to Russia and dictate how their justice system operates showcases the level of entitlement and the level of disconnect that we have with the rest of the world and quite frankly why we're falling behind and not being appreciated as as the world's greatest country and the world's the world's beacon of light anymore is because of situations like this where, yes, she does deserve legal counsel. She is getting that. She has the right. But to think that they should just free her when she committed a crime is like that is as, as high a level of, of American entitlement as I, as I know. And, and I want her to be. I don't think that, you know, I personally don't think that the crime is leveled for her to spend 10 years. But that's what she's facing. And if that's what she gets, unfortunately, that's what she deserves based on the legal system, which she broke the law in. And people will say I'm harsh for that. They can say I'm harsh for that, but it's just that those well, are the facts. I think, I think the other element too is when she went over, Russia had already invaded Ukraine. And I think it's just having also the awareness that 
this country just made a decision that's creating a political, you know, distance. So Joe Biden or whomever, just because you're famous, they're not going to call, you know, Putin and get you free. Like, it doesn't work like that. You know, it happened for Trump called for LiAngelo Ball, if you remember that, and for ASAP Rocky. And that was a different time. We weren't at war with those countries. And you just can't do that frequently. You know, that was like so many threats you can make. Right. Yeah. That was just Trump actually threatened Sweden um, to release ASAP Rocky. So. Right. So there's only so many of those. And you're not going to threaten Russia. What are you going to threaten them with? No. And I think it's also (laughs) the awareness that there you're you're you know, I think a lot of people who are well known have have problems with this, but it's like in the eyes of the law and in the eyes of, um, you know, most people in different countries, like there's nothing different about you from anybody else. And it just takes the awareness of understanding that like, you know, you might have some star power where you live or you might, you know, you might have some star power when you play games, but if you're breaking a law in another country, with and it's like weed is like it, it's such an easy one to not break the law with it's so easy to not bring it and to just yeah. do the quick google search on your phone hey can i bring this to russia your yeah. mind you should just already know that that's a no because it's russia but it's yeah. like it's not you know and obviously athletes use it for recovery there's all these other other you know rationale you can use but at the end of the day like you're gonna have to use a different method while you're in that country just like when you compete in certain sports and when you compete in certain competitions you have to use different pieces of equipment or different types of jerseys or if you play FIBA basketball you have to use a different type of basketball yeah or find a way to act find a way to access what you need in that country you know um if it's possible right like or just get get a massage therapist yeah i mean the thing is in this situation you can't that the excuse of, oh, was in my bag. It was a significant amount. So she was yeah. taking it specifically um, to keep with her during that se- during the season. And this is also the, the, the issue that I take is there's nothing wrong with fighting and saying, we want Brittany Griner free. We want her back in our country. But I'm a little disturbed by, again, the entitlement and the tone from the NBA players and, and from the celebrities that are getting behind this movement because it showcases the level of entitlement they also have, which is, again, an issue that they have to deal with, you know, but again, it's a, it's a reflection on why there sometimes is this tension. And Andrew Bogut said it on our podcast. Sometimes, you know, it's not just the people who are at fault. It's also how you behave and how you treat people and how you approach your status in society. If you actually feel like you're above the law, um, and that happens to a lot of public figures and celebrities when that reality hits that you aren't above the law, it becomes, it's so much hard and difficult for them to handle. Um, yeah. Rationally, you know who, logically. Who earned my respect with this was Djokovic. When he went to Australia, he wasn't vaccinated. They didn't let him in for the Australian open. He left, didn't make a comment, just left, went home, yeah. waited for the next tournament, practiced. Cool. You know, I yeah. think that was a great way to handle it. My bad. I can't get in. Okay, I'm not going to throw a fit. I'm going to respect the rule. I'm going to move on. Yeah, and just imagine if the whole tone of the United States and Brittany Griner was, look, we made a, was, we made a significant mistake. You know, um, 
and it wasn't, Hey, I deserve to be free. Like that's not, that's not a winning strategy. <laughs> yeah. In my country, this is an illegal is yeah. not a rationale. Yeah. In my yeah. country, who is this country's sworn enemy, this is legal. So therefore <laughs> yeah, it's just, that. it's, it, we're such a disconnected society yeah. and, and population. It's, it's, it's frustrating for me. Like I, when I go to other countries and they, they express their frustrations about how Americans act <laughs> when they go to their country, like the biggest one is nobody speaks English around here. It's like <laughs> English isn't the primary language in this country. I always am on the side of the floor. It's like, damn, those Americans really need to get it together. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on uh, on that note, uh, we're at the end of our news and notes. We're going to jump right into our uh, our deep dive in the next episode. So tune into that. Um, other than that, be you. You is fly. Stay moving. Hot boys Boys, we can't